Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for downloading, streaming, or however you're listening. We're just glad you're there. Across from me, I have the one and only Jenny Hillebrand, a.k.a. J. Hill, as I like to call her. I am Greg Detmeyer. We are a couple instructional coaches here in Iowa, where it's like 70 degrees in February. And since we hit record, we have the microphones in between us. This is the Instructional Coaching Corner, the podcast. Jenny, how are you today? I'm awesome. You just talked about the 70 degree weather. I could handle this forever. This can stick around. I don't think it's supposed to, though. No, everyone's like in two weeks or actually like this weekend when like the 30s come back. Everyone's just going to be like moping around. There's like a line of 18, like 15 to 18 inches that are supposed to happen in two days. So 70 degrees today. And I know I kind of got giddy when I heard that. I I like snow, so I'm not going to say much. I like I like the 70 degree weather, but. If we get a little more snow, I'm okay with that. That's too early. It's a nice little break. But it is. We, we need more winter. Yep. So, Jenny, we have someone sitting here with us today. It's not just you and I. I know. It's yeah. a little different. I kind of like having somebody else here. Do you? Yeah. Um, we are talking with Dan Butler today. And Dan is the principal at Epworth Elementary School. He is also a blogger. He writes a blog called Once a Bobcat, Always a Bobcat. And you may have seen him or heard him on a Twitter chat at hashtag IAEdChat that takes place on Sundays at 8 p.m. Dan, recently you wrote a blog post called They Need Us Now More Than Ever. Talk to us a little bit about why you felt the need to put that together. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Greg and Jenny. It's it's an honor to make this show. And I'm <laughs> going gonna, I'm gonna to admit I'm a little bit nervous <laughs> with... Um, just the studio that we have, and you guys are just you've taken it to a new level. But you got wires everywhere, microphones everywhere. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. But I wrote this post. There's been a lot of uncertainty within election season, the actual election, inauguration, everything from a political standpoint. And then that's made its way locally with this collective bargaining thing and just a lot of uncertainty. And what I meant by this post is... There's a lot of negative behavior that was modeled throughout the election season of just disagreeing inappropriately, cutting each other off, communicating in a way that just is really not okay for our kids to see or for adults to see. And I just think that in the midst of all of the things that are happening, our kids need us more than they ever have. They need adults in their corner modeling what it is like to be uh, empathetic to model what it is like to have self-control, to see these things. And if we're not going to get it from the highest of leaders, they need it from us. They need to get it somewhere. So that's what inspired the post. And it's been pretty well received. Awesome, awesome. And I like what you said, too. It's not just like one side or the other. I feel like overall there there have been politicians on both sides of the aisle who have not been the best role models. So as Jenny and I were kind of thinking of what topics we can tackle next on the podcast here, we've never wanted to get political. So I think we're okay because we're saying both sides could do better at uh, being role models for kids. Mm -hmm. In the blog post, Dan, you referenced a book called The Formative Five, which goes through five important things that uh, we can model for kids. Empathy, self-control, integrity, embracing diversity, and grit. Let's talk about some of those. You already mentioned them, but why they're important, what we can do as educators 
to instill those values in our kids. I think empathy is a really big one, and all of them are really big, and they're important because I think these skills, what really caught me about this book is just that the skills I see as foundational. You know, we can talk about teaching academic content all we want, and we can talk about getting to higher levels of proficiency and growth and all of those things, whatever we're using, but if we don't have these success skills, if we're not empathetic, if we aren't exhibiting self-control, if we're not gritty and working hard for long periods of time on goals, it, not, it really it doesn't matter. So I think these skills serve as the foundation. And when I think about empathy, it's probably the most important skill that I think kids and adults can have. I get asked often, all the time, by new teachers coming in, what can I, what skills can I possess that are going to make me the most successful teacher that I can be? What kind of content do I need to know and all this stuff? And my answer is always empathy. The ability to walk in the shoes of another and to see things from a different perspective is absolutely tremendous. The earlier that we can teach that to our kids, the better. Because you and I know there are many adults within our society, within our school system, within our environment that are simply not empathetic. And that, that's an issue. And I think, like I said, that ability to be able to see things through the eyes of another, walk in the shoes of another is just it's so incredibly important. I agree. I think when I went this past summer when we were visiting Eric Jensen, he had talked about how most kids are born with just the, you know, happiness, sadness, joy, fear, you know, those the big five um, emotions. And I agree 100 percent that empathy is so important that we have to be able to put ourselves in other shoes to truly understand how they're feeling, how, what they're thinking, helping them help others. It's kind of that growth mindset thing. It's kind of, you know, we have to have empathy in order to grow as a person and really help other individuals. And I think empathy is one of those skills too, where a lot of, or at least for me, like my life experiences have made me more empathetic toward different situations. Mm -hmm. And the last year, especially we've, as, as a family, have gone through some tough times where I really took a hard look at my own life, realized how like judgmental I was toward other people in certain aspects of their life. I wish that was a skill that I had acquired a lot earlier because there was a lot of missed opportunities that occurred because of that. As we're influencing kids every day, what are some of the best ways that we can show kids empathy? The biggest strategy that I have in my toolbox with anything related to re leadership is to model the behavior that I would expect. And I think with empathy in kids and how can we develop that within them is to put them in situations where they're experiencing diversity and they're experiencing differences and they're with kids that maybe look different than them, that think differently than them, that act differently than, the, than them. And when they're struggling with a situation, they might scream out and they might cry because that's what that kid does to communicate what's happening. But the more that we are around those differences and see those things and talking to our kids about, yeah, why, why is Johnny crying? Because that's how he's trying to communicate what he wants. He's looking for something here and that's just how where he's at right now. And that's okay. And, and I think about some of our, our, our preschool classrooms where we have a very integrated environment where we have students with IEPs, we have students from at-risk uh, families and situations that are all integrated right within our preschool environment. It's huge. And then our kids are learning that at such an early age. Well, 
they don't see differences. They see, well, that's just that's just my friend John. I loved it how one of our preschool teachers said, kind of in those situations, that Johnny's just they're being the best version of themselves. I think what would it be like if adults would all say like as they saw other adults going through things or struggling that, you know, they're just being the best version of themselves. We would live in a lot happier and, and better place for sure. And it's so great that that's being modeled for three, four, and five-year-olds at the preschool level. Yeah, it's a great thing. And it doesn't stop there too. And I think people need to realize, and we all sometimes forget, everybody does the best they know how. Everybody does the best that they know how with the skills that they possess. And that goes for teachers, that goes for paraprofessionals, that goes from, for every educator within our system. They do the best that they know how with the skills that they possess, and that goes for families as well. And I think sometimes we forget about that, right? We forget about that, you know what, if they just turned in their homework and they just got here on time, the whole world would be a lot better. They're doing the best that they know how with the skills that they possess. And we've got to ask ourselves, are there supports, are there things, are, are there different conversations that we can have to help these people move forward and, and um, do what's best for the kid, ultimately? So, Dan, we talked a lot about empathy, a little bit about embracing diversity. I feel integrity was another big one from this book that we would certainly want kids to know and see throughout school building. How have you seen integrity taught? Because that's to me, seems like a very difficult skill to try to teach or show someone. When I think about integrity, I think about doing what you're say, saying you're going to do. If you're saying it and you're following through with that, and how you're acting really when people are watching or when no one's watching, and that goes along with character too. And again, you're going to hear this answer a million times. It's just it's how it's modeled by the adults within the system. But holding kids accountable to, you know, we said we were going to complete this project by 3.30 this day and holding them accountable to do that, that that's what we expect. And I think with integrity, it's a matter it's a matter of having high expectations and simple accountability checks. And we're not talking about slamming a ruler down and, you know, dropping the hammer. We're talking about, we said we were going to do this. What are the checkpoints along the way? And as adults, guess what? We need that too. We can slide off, but you can hold people accountable in a way that is not threatening, but you do need those checks here and there. But when I think of integrity, I, just, I, I think so much of doing what we're saying we're going to do, whether that's following up on an email, whether that's following up on a conversation, whether that's having that difficult conversation that you know you want to have, you know you need to have, but you don't really want to have. And I think a huge strategy is, is modeling that and placing our kids in a position where they have to follow through on a number of tasks, and we're holding them accountable to do that. And it just becomes part of their life. And hopefully we're preparing them for that next level in middle school, and they're doing the same for that next level at high school, and they're doing the same as they are out of school, out, <clears throat> out of our system, and onto their lives. And hopefully we've prepared them with a high level of integrity. One of the things I've struggled with, like with integrity, is I feel as adults... It's so easy to overstretch ourselves to where you spoke a lot about like follow through with what you say you're going to do. So I think as like a teacher, if, if we say we're going to do the, this, this, and this activity, I feel like we need to, as well as adults, we need to make sure that the things we're putting in our schedule we can actually do and fulfill on time. 
a lot of times we lose a little cred because we overbook our calendars. And, and it's not for a bad reason. It's just because it's so hard for us to say no. I feel it almost sets you up for failure where it's like if you're saying, as an instructional coach, if I'm saying to people, I yes, I'll deliver on that. Yes, I'll deliver on that. And I, I almost set myself up where there's no way I can do that. It's going to show more integrity for me to sometimes say no and then actually be able to follow through on those um, requests. Yeah, and I learned that at an early age as a principal. When I started my career as a principal, after a couple of years as an assistant, spent four years as being the principal of two buildings. And you want to come in and you want to change the world and you want to support your teachers with everything and meet every request that they have. But it's physically impossible. And what I learned early on is you can overstretch yourself. And when you're saying you're going to do something unintentionally or whatever the case, and you don't, you don't follow up and you don't get it done, you are 100% losing a little bit of that, that street cred, that credibility with your people. And for whatever the reason, well, I know I'm not going to go to Dan because he's not going to do it. He talks a great game, but his actions aren't matching it. So you do have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to delegate. You have to learn um, when you're saying no to give it some context. I think that's a big piece of it. Now, listen, Jenny, I really want to help you with this, but you got to know what I've got going on right now. So these are kind of my priorities. Can we figure out a way to solve that in, uh, in a different format or with a different person or something like that? And that's a constant struggle with me because I, I'm a doer. I like to get stuff done and I like to commit to people and I want, I'm a helper by nature. And sometimes it's difficult to delegate those things, but you know, there are many times people can do things a lot better than me and I've just got to trust that because the key to it is just having great people around you. I think that goes, all of this kind of goes back into that building the relationships you know, that integrity piece of if I say I'm going to do something following through and kind of going back to the students and needing us now more than ever is just if we're promising them things or if, you know, especially those kids that really need our support, making sure that when we say we're going to help them with something that we're following through and showing them that that matters. Not only are we showing them and modeling integrity, but we're also building that positive relationship with them and setting them up for that success. And I think that's kind of what integrity does too, that we're constantly making sure that, like you said, we're modeling for them what it means to follow through and what it means to keep a promise and work hard. Well, that's huge. And so many of our kids are, are given false promises. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do this and I'm going to give you a trip to see your father when we know that that's not going to happen and it's just just destroying that hope that they have but even if the answer is no but if you provide context of why you know i i can't do this now steve but here's why Mm -hmm. they will understand that and then you are building that trust and you are building that relationship and when you have that really anything's possible and i think you'd be surprised on how willing people are to say okay, we can schedule this later. I mean, even as, as an instructional coach, there's been times where I've told people, like, we, we can't implement that now, or at least I can't support you in doing that. In two weeks, I can. I can make that time work. So, and, and it's always been well-received because that's going to be a lot better than me saying, yeah, let's try to Band-Aid fix it and try to make something work. One of the other uh, big five that the book talks about is grit. 
And I think is grit. I, I think grit is huge for students and just teaching them what it means to work hard and to set goals. And, you know, even though you might have a goal that seems like it's so far out of reach, but setting those mini goals, those little steps to make it to that big goal. So talk about grit a little bit in terms of how it relates back to that post. It's huge. And so much talk about growth mindset and working hard and persevering and all of those things within the educational realm over, I would say, for sure, the past three to four or five years. And I think with grit is finding passion and kids finding what really drives them, adults finding what really drives them and sticking to that and working hard for extended periods of time. And I think when you find that passion of something that you're truly interested in, whether that's podcasting or that's blogging or that's presenting, Whatever the case, you just naturally find that grit within yourself to stick with it because, you know what, I'm jacked up about this and I'm excited. But our kids need to know that hard work does pay off. (laughs) But we want to do hard work for the right reasons. And I think setting those little checkpoints along the way of what we're trying to accomplish, having that big goal, and then maybe we've got some of these five sub goals. You guys have been through the happiness advantage training that we were offering in the district, those Zorro circles, getting those small wins along the way is big. But I think we do need to model and our kids need opportunities to demonstrate that grittiness, sticking with it for long periods of time. Talked about it in athletics all the time. And there's um, many things that our teachers have done to put in those grit type of activities. When we talk about that, you know, Hard work pays off, and I am not there yet. I mean, that's a word that we throw in all the time. I'm not there yet, but with hard work, perseverance, I will be. I love when you're talking to students about, especially when you know kids' interest, and you can talk to them about, you know, well, hey, you know, I know that you're a hockey player. Talk to me about some of the things that you've had to work on in order to get where you are today in hockey. How, and for some kids, learning to read. When you ask them, you know, what's something that's been very hard for you? Well, learning to read was really tough. Well, what did you have to do before you could even learn how to read the book you're reading right now? Talking about all the steps that they've already had, already done to accomplish some of the things that they're doing today, and then taking those and thinking, all right, so think bigger. Learning to read. You first had to even learn how to talk, learn the ABCs, then learn the sounds, then put them into words, showing them how everything they've done up until this point, they've set those goals and they've had people along the way to encourage them and motivate them and you know teach them that perseverance setting those goals and and figuring out how to get there and just supporting them and encouraging them along the way. As we've been talking here, Dan and Jenny, it's it's clear that these skills, like what our kids need from us, empathy, integrity, grit. These are those skills I feel like these are the ones they're going to observe us doing. And I feel that might be one of the most powerful things that we can do as people in schools is to model this stuff and not just be like, when I'm at school, I'm going to show empathy. It's got to be like, this is who I am across the board. It's one of those things that goes back to like the whole idea of like, we teach stuff, but like the kids catch stuff too. They can see our actions and see like if it reflects these things. So as we kind of close up here, you talk about the kids needing us now more than ever. What is the one thing that you feel 
educators or anyone in the school setting can be doing for kids? I think it's simply, we just need to be there for them. And you talked about the trying times. With all of the uncertainties, 1.1% funding, this collective bargaining bill that has passed, uh, uncertain times and not letting all of the rhetoric within the national media, within the state, locally, with all of that talk and chatter and all of these things going on behind the scenes, that can't get into our schools with our kids. Our kids cannot be impacted by that. So I said to be there for them is continue to do the right thing. Continue to deliver excellent instruction. Continue to connect with kids on a daily basis and uh, know about their interests and push them and put them in situations where they can be empathetic, where they can model integrity, where they can show grit. Continue to connect with their parents and provide them just with a world-class experience in what we do every single day because in all honesty, all of this, quote, stuff is going to be there. And that's not the issue. It's how we can continue to control within our space what we can control and how we can continue to provide an excellent experience for our kids in Western Dubuque schools and across the state for that matter. They, they deserve it and they're counting on us. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor to have you on the podcast. Glad we could finally get you get you here and uh, joining us. So thank you. Dan has a blog out there called Once a Bobcat, Always a Bobcat. You can check him out on Twitter at Dan Butler and his blog, again, Once a Bobcat, Always a Bobcat, which will be linked under our shout out section on our website. Um, A couple weeks ago, I don't know if you noticed, uh, we were in the Telegraph Herald, which is the local paper here in the Dubuque area. I missed that. Seriously? Seriously? You were quoted in it. I'm just kidding. Of I course. Saw it. You it had, was awesome. You it was had great. it laminated and framed above your desk. I do. No, Allison was great. I was really and you, and glad she Allison reached out to us. It. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Allison, for reaching out to us and, and doing that article. That was awesome. If you have any listener mail or input for us, we would love to hear from you. You can do that at our website, www.iccpodcast.com. At the website, you will find past shows as well as our mini cast. And you'll be able to find Dan's blog there as well. Jenny, can you talk about social media? We're out there hanging out as well, too, right? Absolutely. You can find uh, download us on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much wherever great podcasts are found. Go ahead and give us a rate and uh, comment. You can also connect with us on Facebook, the Instructional Coaching Corner, or on Twitter at ICC underscore podcast. Or you can even find us on Pinterest. You can certainly do that as well. So as we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it. Because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small intentional steps. Jenny, close us out. Go be awesome. Awesome.